Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Politics in the Pulpit, a lectionary-based preaching resource designed to ask the provocative question of whether, and if so, how politics should appear in our preaching this week. My name's Jenny Mills, and I'm Secretary for Education and Learning in the United Reformed Church, and I have been the host since May, following on from a range of other hosts and engaging with amazing contributors to reflect on the lectionary readings each week. Each week I am joined by a guest from a different place and space on the pulpit and political landscape. Today, I'm really pleased to introduce the Reverend Simon Jay. Simon is a community development worker at the Haven Community Project, part of an urban expression team of which he will tell us more soon. He is both runner and urban walker, pioneer Baptist minister, dad and foster dad, and generally all round busy chap. So it is with great delight that I introduce the Reverend Simon Jay. Hi, Simon. Hi, thanks very much for that. Do you know, every time you say that, I want to meet the guy. He sounds beautiful. <laughs> <cool. laughs> well, we've set the bar high. <laughs> so thank you for joining us today. Politics in the pulpit, what does that mean to you? And can you kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and how you might perceive yourself to be a, a pulpit politician? Yeah. So what I'm going to start off by doing is I'm going to start by repositioning the pulpit, because <laughs> I think that would be fun. Now, the reason why um, I want to do that is because the context in which I find myself in as a pioneer minister uh, is out on the streets, if you like, in the highways and byways and laybys at the community centre and stuff like that. And I absolutely love it. Um, and there was this guy, um, Stuart, wrote a book called uh, gathering around Jesus. And I read it and I thought, oh, actually, this is a really interesting concept. But what he basically was, um, he talked about, or should I say, I reinterpreted it as this thing called like pop-up space. Mm -hmm. Or uh, another word could be spontaneous Jesus space. So rather than having this idea that the pulpit is a is a physical thing that's in the middle of a church building that a preacher stands up and speaks from. You know, yeah. I want to just replace it and see this pulpit is this is this pop up space, this spontaneous Jesus space that can happen outside the shop front fronts in the community sense, in people's gardens, on the streets, and stuff like that. So that's uh, that's like the context in which I want to explore some of these really, really interesting verses. I, I think the other thing to say is that the majority of people that I um, talk to, uh, minister to, uh, journey with, uh, would not call themselves regular churchgoers. Yeah. They would all call themselves, uh, I, I think they would all call themselves people who have some form of faith, uh, some form of spirituality but in terms of going inside to a church building and mm -hmm. sitting down it's something that they don't practice very often and probably wouldn't in the near future unless something radical happened practice so again a yeah. uh, final thing to say I think which is important is I'm from Birmingham as you said part of an urban expression team but my community is beautifully and wonderfully diverse we right. have the whole world has come to live in my community from all over. We have people from the Caribbean islands, people from Africa, people from Asia, people from, um, you know, from Europe. And it is just a wonderful, wonderful bringing together, I think, of this picture in Revelation 7. So that 
is that is where where I find That's your context. Okay. So so from from that context that is so diverse uh, and 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 one in which you engage with so many different people in different ways, what are the key justice issues or political events or issues that that um, that occur that you are aware of that kind of ex exercise your mind particularly? Yeah. So without a shadow of a doubt, hands over foot, the biggest issue um, we're facing in our neighbourhood is food poverty. Yeah. Um, and there's. There's so much to dig into that, which we won't have time. Um, but, you know, you, you have, in terms of this, this justice issue, we'll, we'll reflect on it a bit later, you know, you have these mountains and mountains of, 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 of food that, you know, that, that, that is to go into waste. Yeah. Whilst we run what's called, well, we run lots of food projects. One of the projects we run is a food pantry. Um, it's not a food bank. People come yeah. and they four pounds and they get to choose so our strap line is um supporting people out of po poverty with dignity yeah. and before christmas i mean we saw the food poverty issue really come alive during covid uh so we started during covid our food pantry uh, before christmas it, it it started new we were getting about maybe 20 people um come uh, once a week in a, in a two-hour period yeah. Um, we hit back in January and, and we're getting an average of uh, 60 people uh, each week. And my stress, the thing that actually keeps me up at night is how do we get enough food into the centre for yeah. Friday in order to meet the needs of the people that are coming in and saying we, we're hungry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Thank you very much, and we'll, we, we, I'm sure we'll be coming back to that as a as an issue. And it's something that is so stark and such a reminder, uh, and 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 um, and something that more more and more church communities are are, are finding themselves needing to respond to. Um, every week, uh, the J, my JPIC colleagues send me a little roundup of what's going on in the world, uh, just so that we can ground everything we do in the situation your your situation your your from but equally the world situation. And um, as we know, we are dealing with some incredibly hot temperatures. Um, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's set to reach over 40 degrees. I think many places in the UK at the moment are high 30s, which is quite unbelievable. And this brings a concern about um, a risk to life and the consequences. And we, we think of those fatalities that have occurred just over the weekend of of particularly young men who've jumped into to rivers mm. and 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 things, uh, and and we kind of weirdly try and understand the minds of those who are still climate change deniers as we see mm. the the change in our world around us. We have the conservative uh, leadership race continuing um, uh, as candidates debate on TV about tech, uh, tax, gender identity, and other issues, and not so much on the policies that the government was actually initially. Um, elected in on, uh, and now we hear there's not going to be a sky debate because um, they, they they can't yeah. get on with each other. So it really is is really quite um, a role model for us all. Uh, yeah, we have the wildfires. Yes, <laughs> we have the wildfires that have led to evacuations in the Mediterranean and the risk to life and the fragile habitats that are being so uh, so seriously affected. And in Sri Lanka, the prime minister has fled, and the country is forced to make difficult choices about its future. And we have another country with civil unrest, with a leadership that seems to have lost connection with the people. 
and uh, this throws up all sorts of challenges. So we have uh, we have the news, we have the situation you find yourself in, and we have the biblical texts before us, uh, mm -hmm. and we and we are we are going to journey through them to find our connections and to find the the um, to offer some thought uh, for those who are going to be sharing these texts or living these texts in the coming week. So. Um, where would you like to begin? Um, this is quite a choice of text this week, I feel. And uh, yeah. so tell us where you'd like to begin. So exciting text. Um, <laughs> what I want to do with these texts is, um, to, yeah, just to put down some framework because of where I'm thinking, is I want these texts to be able to interact with the environment and spaces um, that my community inhabits. Um, I do think there are links over some uh, interesting things. But for me, like I said to you before, is a lot of my community would not go to church. So, But the Bible it is still such a powerful word that can bring so much hope and so much life. So for me, I'm constantly thinking, when I get some of these texts, and you've given me some, some pretty big ones today, I well, fortunately, fortunately, it was the lectionary, not me, but yeah, they have, haven't they? <laughs> exactly. And the question I ask is, how does that interact with the spaces and the places that my community might find? And I think there's a real precedent for this, obviously. You know, Jesus did it all the time. He would be walking along, he'd see a fig tree, and he'd pick up some figs, or actually, like, he cursed the fig tree because there are no figs. And, you know, and he, he'd pull that out and say, yeah, you know, do you know, look, look what's going on here talks about this thing called an eye of the needle and everybody goes oh yeah we know that place we know that space so i think there's a real precedent for us being able to read these texts into the spaces that we find ourselves okay. um so i'm gonna start off uh i mean the question you ask is um you know are any of them potentially problematic i i guess my answer is yeah all of them are <laughs> uh, yeah. i want to start <laughs> with the more simpler one with the Luke chapter 11. Yeah. And I want to again connect it to, you know, this whole thing around food poverty that we talked about. And I guess my question is, what do I do with these words? You know, what do I do? So it starts off with this prayer, obviously, um, and uh, stuff about forgive us our debts, you know, help us to forgive people. But then, you know, give us this daily bread. And it goes on to go a little bit more deeper. I'll just read a little bit of it, if I can, uh, for you. So he goes on to talk about, you know, if you go and ask your friend for some food, for some loaves of bread, and he says, do not bother me. The door is already being locked and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Now that even that verse is something that a lot of people in my neighborhood, they'll understand that. They will understand that. Do not bother me. Whether they're, you know, trying to get some um, support with PIP or with some of the universal credits or stuff. Yeah. On the end of the line, there comes yeah. back that do not bother me. But it goes yeah. on this. But I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is a friend, at least because of your persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. And then, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone that asks, receives, searches, finds, knocks, and the door will be open. Goes on again, bringing in 
you know, the food stuff, if your child asks for fish, you're not going to get a snake. If he asks for an egg, you're not going to get a scorpion. How much more then will a father who loves you give you what you need? What do I do with that? When the reality is, and I will come back to this, I'm not going to answer that yet, because it is tough. When the reality yeah. is, I don't need this within my context, within my community. And the reality for many people is that's not the case. We have, we have to choose. Do we heat our house? Do we feed our kids? Do I decide to go hungry so that I can get a bit of food for my kids? Do we take out a loan from a loan shark in order to get through the next month? That's the reality. And for many of these people, no constant persisting of asking and asking and asking and asking does anything because they're so disempowered. So they just yeah. start from that position of complete disempower and they have no voice. So to be able to ask, you need a voice. So what does this verse say to people that cannot even ask because they have not got the voice? And it appears from the first look that a, a father in heaven that loves you does not step in. Now, in the same sort of like struggle we have when Jesus carries on, he said, look at the birds of the air. They do not toil, stress, but the Father will make sure that they are fed. And I love you even more. So how much more will I feed you? So there's something going on with what Jesus is saying about the love and goodness and graciousness and the abundance of God, but the reality and lived experience of people who are right now struggling with food yeah. poverty. Mm. So that's where I want to start. So that's a nice one for us to think about. <laughs> that idea of that idea of, um, of, of sometimes in in our comfortable settings, uh, we go well. Do you know you ask and you shall receive. We we quote these things, but mm-hmm. but I think for me, so much of prayer is about is about understanding our privilege. So yes. so you know, if we say, well, God answered my prayer. Well, okay, so if if the child in, you know, the hungry child or the thirsty child in the desert is praying, Lord, give me water and, and, and not getting anything, you know, where we, we have often have a simplistic privileged way of looking at prayers. Um, yes. And I think and I think so, so much of it is about prayer changing us. Yes. Rather than changing God's mind. Yeah, I think you are getting into something really interesting here. Uh, I'm absolutely vying for you. One of the words that, um, that me and one of my lecturers used to have, or, or, or a statement, is it's about what well, not necessarily, although God is a huge, generous God, but it's about the generosity of the people of God. Um, you know, what is the role? And, and I want to, I don't want to say too much about this now, but what is the role of the church on earth? when it comes to these verses. Um, what, what do we yeah. think about that? But I think you're definitely going yeah. down a line that I would say, okay, this now starts becoming interesting to explore more. Okay. So, so started off, on. Yeah, started off with that. And then, um, and then I thought, okay, so let's, uh, let's look at Hosea. Um, I thought, Hosea, what a wonderful, wonderful verse to be able to share with my community. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and um, I've read it. Right. I wrote some little words down. 
and let me see if I can find what I wrote down on Hosea or underlined it. So here we have, right, um, Hosea. Harsh. He looks at these people and he says, I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel. I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. You know, he's not messing here at all. You are not my people. I am not your God. So here we have a God who is, he is angry. Let's not mess about here. He is absolutely so angry, so angry. He just wants to wipe this whole people out of his, his family. You are not my people anymore. I thought, okay, what do I do with that? But I think this potentially it could become a really exciting story to start telling in my community. Because another prophet, very close to Hosea, is, uh, Israel, was, um, was on that journey uh, into captivity. Another prophet called Isaiah stands up. And again, he starts speaking similar things. But he gives us a real clue. Not a real clue. He gives us a massive statement. This isn't even a clue. This is it. He <laughs> says, but what is it that God is angry about? What is going on here? So I just want to read you this. So again, in the same line as Hosea, Isaiah picks it up and says, but this is, what, this is the issue. Is this not the fast I chose for you? He says, to loose the bonds of injustice. To undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. Now suddenly, this is yeah. the language. Coming back to what we were talking about before, this community that, that's struggling to find a voice. Suddenly, I'm saying, okay, we're having this discussion with one another. Okay, do you? Who are you relating to here? You relating to the nation of Israel? Or are you relating to these people that are feeling that you have no voice, that you are trapped, that you don't know what to do, that there is this sense of injustice? He goes on to say, coming back to food poverty, is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see them naked to cover them and not hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn. And your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicate, vindicator shall be go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. They shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help and he will say, here I am. And suddenly you have you've tied the fate of people in my community with the systems and structures and people that have actually are empowered to do something about. Stuff, yeah. But more so, I think what would be a really interesting conversation to have. So you know, I've, I've I've read this, but I might actually bring this actually out in my community now uh, with some of the good Old Testament prophets. What would be a really interesting conversation to have is to explore. So how do you feel that there's a God out there that is so angry? about the position and the injustice that is being done to you, yeah. that he he would wipe off a face of a nation because his anger is, is, is so much and they are not stepping up and doing what he has commanded them to do. 
which is to make sure that you guys are fed, you guys are taken care of, you guys see justice. So I think that was that really, for, wow. for me that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, how how do you um how do you you know on first reading if people say you know I'm, I've started to read my Bible and I've I found Hosea one and oh my goodness you know it's really difficult and, and how do you enable people to encounter the difficult because that is difficult as you say you've managed to 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 look through this and to find that God of love who is who is who is quite frustrated with humanity but when we first encountered kind of difficult texts you know do do we shy away from them because that's what often happens isn't it it's got the word yeah. it's got the word whoredom in it okay so we won't be using that while the children are with us or while it's intergenerational or whatever and I yeah. think how, how do you encounter those those texts and and if I was a you know the people take Hosea they take it as a um you know a god who who, who never gives up but equally some sort of uh, abusive marriage so if I was a real feminist how 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 do we how do we enable uh, people yeah. to take those texts? <laughs> yeah, I think for me, um, uh, it's always starting at the place of Jesus. Always start at that place, um, okay. because you know the the Bible. It, it's a it's a huge, complex, nuanced, ancient document that is full of so much stuff that yeah. it you know the best scholars in the world can only just start trying to understand bits and pieces of it yeah but I think within this lived life of Jesus we have our starting place okay so then when it comes to these attitudes towards uh one another towards women towards the other towards the poor uh attitudes around violence or non-violence and stuff yeah. like that I think we start, for me, I say we need to start at the place of Jesus. Because if we start at the place of Jesus, that's when we're truly in the centre of the heart of God. Um, and then everything else from there, I'm not necessarily saying that we're going to have clear answers. Yeah. Everything else flows from that. I think that's really important. Because if you don't do that, you start getting into dangerous territory. You start having discussions around genocide. Uh, in the past, we've seen that, you know, with the Crusades. You start justifying issues around slavery. Again, we've seen that with the African slaves going over in the churches, churches role in that because they did not start at a place of Jesus. They started at that, that, that place of self-ambition or right. selfish ambition, should I say, um, non-humbleness, but arrogance and pride and used the text to then um, keep yeah. people in bondage and slave. Yeah. So I think yeah, that's yeah. what I would say. Um, but I also think... Again, digging a little bit more into to this idea is, um, for me, rediscovering the unseen people in the biblical text. I think it's very interesting. So an example being, again, very similar, rich young ruler comes to Jesus. Uh, you know the story. He says, what do I have to do to inherit the kingdom of God? He says, you know, obey my commands. I do that. Sell everything you have. So he says, I can't do that. He walks away sad. His disciples then say, oh, yeah, sell everything I have. Give it to the poor. He says, I can't do that. His disciples then say, wow, what you're asking him to do is impossible. Who then can do that? And quite often when we think about the story, the characters we talk about, we talk about the rich young ruler, you know, what's going on with him. We talk about 
the disciples. You know, they're a bit baffled. How are we going to do that? We talk about Jesus, this this person that is demanding. But the unseen person in this is the poor. That is the unseen. This, again, is a message of great hope for the poor. Hang on a minute. Are you telling me that we have a God that is saying to the church, your job is to make sure that, or not just saying to the church, forget that. You're telling me we have a God that is saying to our society, saying to our billionaires, our millionaires, our entrepreneurs, our Amazon shareholders, our Uber, you know, people. Your job is to make sure that the poor are looked after. And they go, that's that could be me. Actual fact, that isn't me. That is me. This is, again, a God that's on our side. So yeah. I think, again, I think that within my context, what what is amazing is as we talk and as I listen to people, I am able to pull away from, if you like, a white middle class yeah. standpoint. Yeah. And I'm able to help reread the scriptures from the point of view of the person that is going, ah, we're struggling right now. We're, we're really struggling here. Yeah, um, yeah. But I do want to say something a bit later about this use of the word poor as well. Because every time I say poor, like poor person, uh, I want to caveat that. I'm actually saying it also a bit tongue in cheek. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I I do not subscribe to that that label but it is it is a language thing it is a language that's steeped in the bible and we we can take that that language of poor and we could we can put it on onto people and it's and i was gonna say it's also something that uh historically the church has helped those poor people out there and yeah. the people you know we're in here and they're out yeah. there and we'll do a something that will help them uh, and that whole that whole disconnect, and I think that's right, isn't it? Breaking down some of those barriers, breaking down some of that division, Absolutely. because because we are all members of humanity. We are all part of creation, and yeah. we are all we are all created equal. It's just yeah. that humankind and structures yeah. and processes and uh, or you know the way the world is 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 set up actually then creates that inequality, isn't it? Yeah. Totally, totally, yeah, and uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, totally. And the and the language you use and the naming of things are there to keep people in their proper place. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yes. And I think we slip into that all the time within our churches. Uh, it's easy to do, I get it, but we slip into that all the time, even within our prayers. You know, yes. pray for these. We want to pray for these poor. Yeah. You know how, but it keeps them in their place because whilst they are poor, they yes. there's this assumption of disempowerment. Yes. Um, you know, yeah. I don't know the last time stood up in a, uh, you know, one of our preachers introduced themselves as the poor person from the housing estate. You know, they generally, like, <laughs> that's not generally. It's just like, it's like the Good Samaritan story. We're always the Good Samaritan, aren't we? We're never oh, one of those yeah. that doesn't stop. Or we're never the chap in the ditch either. You know, we would never identify with that. No. We would always think, you know, wrongly that we are the Good Samaritan. Absolutely. Okay, so do you want to lead us on to Colossians or are you, what do you yeah. reckon? Yeah, so let's go to Colossians. So again, just keeping this uh, sort of like thought pattern going. I'm, um, I'm going to read you some stuff from Colossians, if that's okay. Because again, this is hugely, hugely powerful. So this 
the way I read this is I actually read this as a I will I would I'm not not gonna say message of encouragement because I think it's very, very weighty. And I think as Spider Man was told <laughs> with great um power comes great responsibility. Okay. So with that in mind, I will read you that. Okay. For in him, uh, the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily, and you have come to fullness in him, who is head of every ruler and authority. In him also, you were circumcised with a spiritual circumcision by putting off the body of the flesh in the circumcision of Christ when you were buried with him in baptism. You were also raised with him through faith in the power of God, he who was raised him from the dead. God made you alive together with him when he forgave all of our trespasses. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and made a public example of them triumphing over them. I've not read it all, but I've just read you these just just bits that really uh, stood, stood out, out for me. Yeah. And as I read that, I guess a couple of couple of thoughts I had was number one, really? Where is where where am I seeing this this body of people? Because this is this is pretty this is pretty full on stuff here. You know, this is no messing here. They are this is the equating that same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that same salvation that 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 is sort of like bring is bringing back the fullness and reign of God. Not only that, but it's also got authority over the principalities and powers. It's triumphing over. That is being installed, bodily installed in his church. Yeah. Okay. Again, if I'm in my community, and I think talk about a conversation, I think this would be really interesting to do. In actual fact, I think I'm going to do it. I sit down with my community at my community center. And I ask the question, so when you see or look at the church, what do you see? Yeah. My suspicion is it's nothing like this. That is my suspicion. They're not seeing that. I mean, I have had these conversations, not, not as direct, but constantly, and I'm a Baptist minister. People talk to me all the time. One of the reasons that they don't go to church is because they do not think that it's got any uh, agency. For them they do not think it speaks for them they do not think it stands for them they didn't think it can do anything and i think for me this is the beginning of the story the question i want to ask us so what what now this is who we are so what yeah what, what are we gonna do, do with, with it that? yeah 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 because actually it seems to suggest if we believe in the bible we believe that these words are true it suggests that we have authority, that risen authority over the principalities and powers, over the things that are causing injustice, that are causing food poverty, um, keeping people on their knees. We have authority to bring about that. Is this not the fast that I require to you, but to make sure that justice comes in abundance and fullness on this earth? Mm. 
So I think for me, um, again, that's a verse that I probably wouldn't overly talk with my community about, but would be going into church um, and saying, so what? What are you going to do so, about it? So there's something about where, what do people see in the church and kind of why why is the church not being able to do those things? Because to a degree, many of us have got um, swept up in, in kind of the whole capitalist society. We've got Absolutely. swept up in, 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 in power. We've got swept up in, well, I suppose many of us in our everyday lives. And, uh, mm. and, and I think sometimes the harder life becomes, the more entrenched and insular we become. And so we, we, you know, we're, we're so busy trying to, trying to, uh, function within that capitalist society that we lose sight of all the other people around us and also in churches i think we spend a lot of time focusing on buildings and uh and and legal requirements and you know uh, safeguarding and stuff yeah. which is all absolutely vital um but where we it's often easier to follow the processes than it is to have the difficult conversations or the engaging conversations Yeah. Can you hear me? I can. Great. I can't hear you. Apparently, it's just said my browser has left communication. <laughs> uh, so your your mic is turned off. Um, okay. So. Uh, and you still can't hear me. Um, you still so, can't hear me. But would it be possible then for me just to quickly finish unless you you come back and i hear you with with one final thought on the last um verse great so glad you can hear me i cannot hear you at all you can type anything in the box though so the last um the last thing was was the psalm now what i want to say about uh this is again i want to rethink how we we explore and do biblical stuff. What I love about this psalm is it is a psalm of redemption. And I think this is why this is such a great one to uh, to end with. You know, a prayer of restoring God's favour. And I want to read it from the context of um, black history, actually, because um, I think, again, within my context, uh, whenever we explore the biblical narrative, and we bring in the the wealth and depth of, 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 of black people that have come before, uh, people go, yeah, this is what we're talking about. Because too often, most of our theology is is, is white Western theology. Yeah. Um, and I want to take us back to 1906. Uh, okay. William Seymour, who was the pastor of the Azusa Street Mission in Los Angeles. Okay. And... Um, they had this Black Holiness congregation, and after several meetings, people started speaking in tongues. Now, quite often, which is fine, we associate the speaking in tongues with being filled with the Spirit, which is, which, which is not a problem at all. But William Seymour, he actually associated the speaking in tongues with social justice. Because within this congregation, when this new gospel music broke out, it created a new space. You know, I'm well into my spaces. Uh, in this space, you had white bishops sitting next to black workers. You had men sitting next to women. You had Asians 
sitting next to Mexicans. You had white professors sitting and worshipping and praying next to black laundry work working women. And I think for me, and this is why I just put it into this psalm, I could say a lot more on that, but 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 I'm not going to because um, I'm going to run out of time. But there's something here in this psalm that brings in this this beautiful restoration of saying, God, come and restore us. And my argument, again, coming back to Revelation 7, and I saw every tribe and tongue and nation and language and people gathered in one space, worshipping God. And my argument is for us, church, that we, we want to be that tool that brings back true uh, restoration, that we wipe away this concept I was going to talk to you about of poor and not poor. But actual fact, we are all in this together. Okay. You know, people of God, of all colours and tribes, of all languages, of all social standings, we are in this together. And I think that, for me, is is a beautiful picture of restoration. And I think, for me, that 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 embeds so much of our psalms when we say, God, come and restore your kingdom. It's restoring relationship, us to you and us to us. And, and I've got to finish on that, and I can't hear yeah, you, so I'm thank, really sorry. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> that was just amazing. Thank you, Simon. I'm so sorry you can't hear me, uh, but I have sent a message to say this was absolutely awesome, and I'm really grateful for your time, for your insight, for your coming at the text in such a, a grounded way absolutely challenging and, and really reassuring. So thank you, thank you very much for your wisdom and reflections. And thank you to everybody for joining us, um, asking whether and how or if how we should preach politics in the pulpit. If you enjoyed this, please leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share this with your friends. We know that you are a passionate and knowledgeable crowd and we really love to have any feedback and responses. So wherever you listen to the podcast, please leave a comment or a response. And we would particularly love to hear how you're able to use this in your preaching this Sunday. The best place to join the conversation is on Twitter at pulpit underscore politics or using the hashtag politics in the pulpit or on our Facebook community, which you can access through the Joint Public Issues Team Facebook page. So each week we try to have a question. Are you able to hear me now? Yeah, I rebooted, reloaded the page and your voice came back. Excellent. I should have that before, but I didn't want to risk it. And no, well, it's, it's really lovely. I think where you led us to end was absolutely brilliant. Uh, and it was just, so, as I said, it was so grounded and relevant. Um, and and I think my I, each week I leave a question. And um, this week's question is, is how do we hear the texts from our particular settings? What is it that that makes a text easy to to respond to or complex re to respond to, depending on where our setting is? So, how does the culture in which we live affect how we hear those texts and hear them in the light of the knowledge of a loving God who 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 is you know who is willing the best for humanity? even though humanity often gets in the way. So I can now say 
goodbye, uh, which is really, <laughs> which it's a shame because each week I do this, I think we could go on a lot longer. But we go into our politics and our pulpits wherever we may find our pulpit to be. Uh, and may I leave us with a blessing. May we be anointed with God's spirit as we bring good news to the poor. Proclaim release to the captives. Help people to see the world truthfully and let the oppressed go free. Amen. Go well. And thank you for your time. Take care. Thank you. Bye.